Eagles Entertainment. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right out of the week, and we're getting your final prep in for Eagles Lines as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 407. At the top of today's show, we've got a new segment called Three and Out, where I chat with my friend Chris McPherson, and the point of this segment each week will be to break down three of the hottest topics surrounding the Eagles going into their next uh, into their next game. This week, C-Mac and I are going to hit on some things on both sides of the football. You do not want to miss that conversation right at the top of the show. After that, we We've got Chalk Talk, where Ben Fennell and I take a look at the upcoming matchup through the lens of our show, Eagles Game Plan. We produce it every single week uh, for Eagles Entertainment, all with the goal of getting you ready for this matchup. Then, to close out the show, we've got Faux Focus, where I chat with somebody uh, that we actually talked with last year before this Eagles-Lions matchup. He's back again. That's Jeff Risden for the Lions Wire. Jeff and I talk about the Lions and their vantage point going into this game as they prepare for the Eagles in the season opener. But before we get there, a couple things I want to make sure we hit on number one head on over to apple Podcasts or stitcher or spotify wherever you listen and you can leave us a rating appreciate it if you have a question leave it we'll answer it here on an upcoming episode also make sure you go check out the journey to the draft podcast myself ben fennel dane brugler uh we've got ross tucker every single week a litany of guests greg cosell on the episode that's dropping later this week talking quarterbacks and wide receivers so if you want to get up to date with all of the, the goings on in college football getting ready for next spring's draft that is the place to do it the journey to the draft podcast wherever podcast can be found. Now, before we get to three and out with CMAC, I want to real quickly uh, tease a segment that we had this week on Eagles game plan. I caught up with Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen uh, just to kind of talk through the Eagles offensive performance in the preseason. We broke down a couple of plays. This is going to be the entire segment. Obviously, that's going to be more video friendly, so you want to go and check that out. It's called Tape Study. It'll be up on uh, all the Eagles digital channels later this week, but uh, a little bit of a piece of that interview, my conversation with Coach Steichen. Well, joining us this week here on Tape Study, presented by Chickies and Pete's, Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, well, let's get through uh, this preseason play, opening drive of the summer, touchdown, Jalen Hurts to Dallas Goddard. Obviously, Dallas is going to get the ball on this sale route, but yeah. I love what A.J. Brown does on this play, really kind of attracting attention. Take us through what A.J.'s role is on this concept. Really good job by A.J. right here, taking the corner right here, so it gives just enough room right there, and what a perfect throw right here by Jalen. This ball is thrown firm with an arc right there where it needs to be, and then Dallas is big as strong and he is to break that tackle and then jump over two dice. Uh, for the touchdown was huge right there. Yeah, if Jalen leads this out, this is an area to be picked off by the underneath defender. That's exactly right. So you can see the ball placement right on his back shoulder right there, right? Protects him from the defender right there. That way he can take the hit right there, and then he bounces off the hit and makes a heck of a play getting in the end zone. Beautiful. And earlier in the drive, Jalen had hit Miles and then underneath. So he's just showing that ability to go through, make similar reads, and just kind of read what the defense is doing. 100%, right? Take what the defense gives you. Try not to force things, right? If you got it, take it. If not, right, take the easy completion and move on. All right, let's get into the run game here next week against Cleveland, Coach. First play of the game to come out. Uh, you can't ask for better execution than you get on this run play. Absolutely. I mean, you can see the athleticism right there by 51. I mean, just the way he gets out in space right there 
and to get to that second level, all right, and then get the pancake right there on the safety, right? Those are the plays we want, that toughness, that grittiness right there by 51. Coach, how great was it to be able to get that extensive set of reps for 51, for Cam Jurgens here this preseason working with the ones and the twos? Yeah, no, it was big, right? He's an athletic guy, right? How we drafted him in the second round, we're so fortunate to get him. Just the ability he has and all the reps he got right throughout training camp. Uh, with the ones and the twos will serve serve for him well down the road. And both of these reps were both on the opening drive. You guys last season, uh, five touchdowns in opening drives, one of the best marks in the NFL. What's the secret to, to having that fast start on offense? Well, I think it's just the consistency uh, with everything we do, right? Day in and day out, we want to be consistent, right, on the plays we're running and knowing exactly their role on those plays so we can execute at a high level. All right, so again, for that entire segment, make sure you go check back uh, the Eagles game plan or the tape study segment. It all goes posted separately on uh, the Eagles digital channels, PhiladelphiaEagles.com, wherever you get your Eagles content. That said, uh, let's get into it. Excited to catch up now. It's time for C-Mac in three and out. How about this for a start? They got him again! What a defensive stop. Slay's second pick of the game. Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three and out. All right, let's go with uh, three and out here. First of all, before we welcome in C-Mac, Chris McPherson, uh, outstanding stinger there, outstanding intro from Kira Mahoney and Peter Kelly uh, putting out the three and out uh, stinger here for the intro. Uh, C-Mac, let's get into three hot topics surrounding this Eagles team going into Sunday's game against the Detroit Lions. Uh, basically, the way we will structure this segment every week, you'll bring the three hottest things that are on your mind as we get closer to the matchup, and we'll mm-hmm. uh, talk it through. I'm excited to hear the intro. For starters, so shout out to our awesome audio production crew behind the scenes there making that happen. Uh, let's get right into it. Number one, a lot of talk about Jalen Hurts, how much he's improved this offseason. What are we going to see on Sunday? I want to see the distribution of the football. Yep. And what I mean by this is where is he as a quarterback going to attack the field? Now, some of this is predicated on the play calling and the reads and what the defense gives. Sure. Totally understand that. But looking at the numbers last season, throwing down the middle of the field, Jalen Hurts was at league average or above from a passer rating standpoint. This is all according to next-gen stats. Right side of the field was very good, but the left side, left side of the field is an area that definitely he would like to show improvement on. He's a little bit below average, throwing to the left side of the field. And we're talking short, intermediate, and deep down the football field. So with that in mind, now you're thinking, okay, well, who is lining up where now? the Eagles would move around the receivers. So Everybody moves around. Yep. Everyone moves around. So it's not like you had Devonta Smith on the right side and then you know Jalen Rager or whoever on the left side last year. But the fact of the matter is you're going to have Devonta Smith. Oh, you've got A.J. Brown. Oh, okay, you got Quez Watkins in the slot and who also can move around yep. and brings the yards after the catchability. Dallas Goddard can line up anywhere. Da- yep. Dallas Goddard. That's the thing. you got to factor Dallas Goddard into this. Obviously going to attack. And I think Dallas Goddard, by the way, is going to be an absolute <clears throat> monster this season for this football team. And Zach Paschal, who, listening to the Eagle Eye earlier this week, I love the term professional wide receiver. So going to this game, big matchup with the Lions week one, obviously want to see how this new look offense takes flight, but I'm also intrigued to see how does Jalen Hurts distribute the football around the field. I feel like that's just going to be one of the big topics that, and this is like from a X's and O's standpoint, but I know like also like the fantasy industry very uh, interested is like, oh, well, what is Jalen Hurts going to look like? Is it going to be a pass-heavy offense? Is it going to be a run-heavy offense? I, I think now the Eagles go into 2022 knowing that they can go in any way that they like, depending on the on the matchup any given week. So whatever they need to do to be able to win the game that week and put themselves at an advantage, 
Now they've got that ability to do that. When you add in the weapons that they've got, uh, you bank on the, the improvements that Jalen Hurts has made. We talked with uh, Shane Steichen this week on Eagles Game Plan. Our listeners have, have heard a, a chunk of that uh, that discussion here on this show already, uh, You know, talking about Jalen and just overall like his comfort in the scheme. Look, going into year two, Greg talked about it earlier this week. You can't just like glaze past that. That's a, that's a big thing for this offense or for this pass game. It's so interesting. Dan Campbell, Lions head coach, is harkening back to last season's matchup on Halloween where the Eagles just gashed the Lions in the yep. run game. And he's preaching, we've got to be stout up front. we got to make sure that they can't dictate to us on the ground what they're going to do. But in Philadelphia, it's kind of like the opposite. I think we're all looking to see how is the pass game going to evolve. And it's obviously not just going to be the levels of the field, but one thing that was very apparent during training camp and what we saw a little bit in the preseason is the screen game. Okay, and I think that's going to be something big, and it's not just going to be the running backs. Okay, obviously Kenneth Gainwell, we're looking for big things from him. Miles Sanders being the guy in the backfield, back on the practice field, expecting him to be out there Sunday is going to be great. But we're looking to see tight end screens with Dallas Goddard. We're going to see wide receiver screens with Devontae and A.J. Brown and to utilize that yards after the catch ability. So it's not just going to be the run game per se, but let's get the ball in the hands of our playmakers in the short areas of the field and let them do damage afterwards. Let's make the defense make a play. So I'm intrigued to see how that aspect of it plays out as well. Yeah, and I think that the screen game, you can it's not just your traditional like uh, drop back and wait three seconds and dump it off to the running back. There are so many different ways now that teams get into the screen game. And so when you factor in, obviously, the RPO element of it in terms of like the bubble screens, but all the different things that the Eagles can do, um, even getting multiple backs on the field uh, at certain times. We've seen this from this offense in the past. Uh, you know, Can you get Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, Miles Sanders, combination of two of those three guys uh, out there. What are some of the different things you can do from those kinds of looks? And uh, you know, again, those create some easy layups for Jalen Hurts underneath. All right, so should we go number two? Yeah, let's so, go number two. Let's number, number two, two. how will Jonathan Gannon, Eagles defensive coordinator, in his second season, we sure. talk a lot about yep. Hurts, year two is starting quarterback. How will Jonathan Gannon affect quarterbacks with pressure? And from a schematic standpoint from a blitzing standpoint the Eagles only blitzing around a little less than 19 percent of the time last season this is the third lowest percentage in the league according to sharp football analytics okay Jonathan Gannon comes from he was in Indianapolis coach with Matt Eberflus Matt Eberflus doesn't blitz a whole lot okay I think the Colts I believe were the fifth fewest in the league in terms of blitz percentage last season now could we see a little bit difference here this year? Because you look at all three levels of the defense and the additions that the Eagles have made up front, obviously, with Jordan Davis. Second level, you know, coming off the edge with Hassan Reddick and then Kaiser White as your off-ball linebacker. And in the secondary, obviously, with James Bradbury and C.J. Gardner-Johnson now in the deep part of the secondary. So will we see a little bit more from that standpoint? Because the one thing is the Eagles gave up the fewest explosive pass plays in the league last season yep. okay so that part is good on the flip side the eagles gave up the highest passer completion percentage in the league last season so it's a give and take situation and look for the eagles to be in the top half of the league in blitz percentage we're only talking maybe two or three times more per game it's yep. not this like huge amount where he's got blitz 10 more times per game if he's going to get to like the Bucks level being at the top of the Dolphins, yeah, right. you're going to the extremes there. No, there, yep. I'm not expecting that, you know, but it's not just the blitzes. It's 
what kind of disguises exactly. can we see? With the players like having a C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you have a lot more flexibility to mix and match with the safeties to disguise pre- and post-snap. You know, what are you going to do with Hassan Reddick? Where is he going to line up? Because in training camp, we saw him off the edge, yep. line up over center. This is the Mike Zimmer influence. You've written so many times over the years in your Eagle Eye com, and obviously John Gannon coached under Zimmer in Minnesota. Yeah. Do we see more of those sim pressures where – Quarterback doesn't know where it's coming from, but the thing is, when you have a Darius Slay, a big play Slay, and a James Bradbury, good man-to-man cover corners, look, you just need a couple seconds. You need a little bit of disguise. Just put that thought of doubt in the quarterback's mind, and that can make all the difference. And that's the big thing. Is And it was right around this Lions game last year where you know everybody talks about the change philosophically on offense, but defensively, we saw those same shifts uh, happen where you saw more man coverage on third down. You saw more pressures. I know going into that game against the Lions, I'm, I'm like 99% sure. I don't have the number in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that the Eagles were last in the league in blitzing and cl- you know started to, to chop away at that uh, a little bit as the season went on. Second half of the year, uh, they were closer to the middle of the pack. And I, to your point, it's not like a, a huge philosophical change, but uh, you know, going back and watching the tape from that Lions game, it wasn't just like, oh, third down, okay, they're going to play man and they're going to blitz. No, you saw some early down blitzes uh, from, that li- from, that, uh, from that game against the Lions. And so is that something we'll see in this game? I agree with you. I think when you look at uh, the pieces that the Eagles added, you add in the fact that everybody, coaches, players, everybody included, have better understanding, more comfort about uh, each other and, and the system in general coming into this point, coming into year two. I mean, I got to think that you'll see a uh, little bit more front multiplicity, but I think also uh, the the uptick in pressure is something I would I would count on as well. Something that Jonathan again said at his press conference earlier this week is he has to trust his guys more this year, mm-hmm. and with the way that they've been able to implement the scheme going to year two, he feels like he can do that a lot more. So it's one of those things, again, what does that exactly mean? I can't wait to see that on the field come Sunday. And I know he talked about uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and just like the fit defensively. Like, What was your big takeaway just from that discussion with, uh, with Jonathan Gannon? Because, and you've talked about this before, where you look at the individual drills during practice here at the Novacare Complex, yep. and the nickel corners are working with the safety. That's how they worked in training camp every day. That's how they do it every day. I mean, there's so much mirroring there that it's very similar that even though we haven't seen a ton of it, of C.J. Garner-Johnson doing it, it's not as much of a projection as people think it is. So right. to me, again, it's you have someone that compliments Marcus Epps, and Marcus Epps is a player on the rise who I cannot wait to see be the full-time starter this season. But you have Avante Max. There, there's so much optionality for this defense in the secondary now that I, I hope that Jonathan Gannon lets loose and showcases some different things for quarterbacks. So it's, that's the biggest thing. Again, it comes down to, okay, if you're not going to blitz a lot, yep. you got to do something that just makes the quarterback think for that extra split second that, oh, when I'm seeing pre-step, oh, I'm wrong. All of a sudden, okay, Josh Wett is on my back. Hassan Rack is coming after me. i got to get the ball out quickly, and hopefully you get more takeaways as a result. And also more aggressiveness uh, on the perimeter from the corners as well. Right. I mean, James Bradbury, I mean, he's uh, he has – one from uh, both press and off coverage alignments uh, over the course of his career. But, I mean, we saw this summer just how aggressive he can be up at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Steven Nelson, he would very much prefer to be off the ball, playing from depth, keep the receiver in front, uh, and then rally to the football. Bradbury's a, a different uh, kind of player in terms of uh, his play style. Um, so that'll be something to watch, too, it's, you know, because making it a little bit harder for the quarterback to just drop back, get the ball exactly. out as fast as yeah. possible. Last one here. Okay, so number three, I'm going to stay with the defense. I'm interested to see the rotation, okay, especially – 
the front two levels of the defense. So John Legay is getting Brandon Graham back. Okay, yep. I didn't mention him as an addition, but basically you're getting him as another player. But you go to the prime of his Eagles career from 2015 till 2020, his Pro Bowl year, he's playing 67, 70% of the snaps on defense, bringing that relentless hustle each and every time he's out in the field. Are you going to be asking that of him as the longest tenured player on this team? Because he played with the second team unit pretty much all of training camp. So if you're just asking him to say, we're only going to ask for 40, 50% of the snaps, but we want you to bring it on those snaps, yep. that's tremendous. The depth that this defensive line group has so outstanding right now going into the season. I mean, defensive tackle, okay? You've got Fletcher Cox, okay, who Jonathan Gannon raved about, the way that he's put in the effort in practice, the way he plays during games. Javon Hargrave, okay, him coming off the injury uh, in training camp. We didn't get to see a whole lot of him, but we know what he's capable of coming off his Pro Bowl season. Well, where does Jordan Davis, where does Milton Williams fit into the picture here? So I'm excited to see what that rotation is going to be like. And then at the second level, okay, Hassan Reddick is, you know, the Eagles went heavy at linebacker, but you're including Hassan Reddick, you're including Patrick Johnson, who right. are sandbackers, Kyron Johnson, you know, a rookie finding his way. So you figure T.J. Edwards is going to be the man in the middle. He'll be your every-down guy. Is Kaiser White going to be the other every-down guy, assuming you're pretty much playing nickel as your, you know, your base package, essentially? Or is there room for Nicobe Dean to get on the field? So, you know, Monday morning after the game, I'm excited to see the snap count and see the breakdown and see how much of these guys played. And you also have to take into consideration, we're all excited to see this team for the first time. Of course. This is a 17-game regular season. So you do have some veterans that you want to make sure, okay, you got to get your win, Yep. but we need these guys to be fresh for, for down the stretch. I think the big thing when it comes to, you know, it's, it's almost like the conversation we have now where it's like, at wide receiver, there's no such thing as like a number one, number two, number three, number four receiver. Because on offense, you have so many different packages that, mm-hmm. all right, you know, you have, might have your 11 personnel package where it's A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Quez Watkins. But then you might also have an 11 personnel package where instead of Quez Watkins, it's Zach Pascal, right? So you have all these different personnel packages, which, by the way, they all come with different depth charts. And so you might say, like, okay, well, uh, in our 11 personnel, our speed package, then it's going to be Quez. But when, you know, when we want to be able to run the football more, that's where it's going to be Pascal. You know, just, I'm just using generalities here. Yes. It's the same thing defensively. And that's why I think that it can, we all get kind of tied into, let's go to our lads, let's look at the depth chart. Oh, well, this guy's a first teamer, this guy's a second teamer. But that's just one formation that's one package right that might be your your regular nickel package that's what it looks like but then when they go into those five man fronts well now it's a, this is a completely different depth chart so now you have guys and that's where it gets a little bit tricky in terms of uh, you know play counts and things like that and I know there was those conversations last year uh, after Brandon Graham's injury what, what does that mean? Who, who's going to get those snaps? Well, it ended up being kind of a, a mix of Milton Williams and Ryan Kerrigan, depending on the on the package. And mm-hmm. you saw Josh Sweat. Okay, well, sometimes he's inside, yeah. and sometimes he's outside. Well, it's because it changed. It changed with the package. And as Milton Williams got more comfortable, he started to get more of those inside snaps, which meant Josh Sweat now could kick more outside. Josh Sweat is looking forward to not having to go inside. Exactly, he doesn't have season. to go inside as yep. much because you have you have BG healthy. You know, Jordan Davis being the nose tackle means that Hargrave doesn't need to be the nose tackle. Now he can kick and be the four-eye technique. You know, So now all these guys, and that's why I've been harping almost weekly here on the show about the versatility of those guys up front. That gives the, the staff so much flexibility in all of those depth charts where, all right, well, if we're, if we're in this package on this, in this down and distance, 
before would be like, oh man, well, we have to, we kind of have to have Josh Sweat be the four eye technique. We don't really have another guy that can step in there. Well, now you've got more of that functionality uh, with those guys up front. Obviously, BG returning and some of the other young guys uh, that they've added, other young guys taking the next step. Marlon Tui Pelotu earning a roster mm-hmm. spot. Uh, you know, Teron Jackson taking the next step uh, here this summer. So just starting to see all these guys get a, not just a little bit more comfortable in the scheme, but if everyone's healthy, the, the versatility and the depth up front, uh, I think that it'll be it'll be fun to watch in terms of how those snap counts will uh, you'll be uh, split up. But to your point, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna change every week. I really think that like Certainly, you know, we're gonna yeah. come out uh, week one and it's gonna be like, oh well, uh, man, like J- Josh Sweat got a ton of reps this week and Brandon Graham uh, didn't get that much, but Barnett didn't get that much. What, what does that What does that look like? Hassan Reddick got a ton, and then it might be uh, week four and we're saying something completely different, right? It all It all depend on how that opposing offense is playing. Correct. Are they playing a ton of base? Are they Are they more of a spread kind of kind of offensive attack? Uh, I think that that is going to be really fun to watch for me on a down to down basis. Just Kind of trying to track that on the day after. I don't want to go too far of a tangent, but you brought up the offensive 11, 12 personnel yeah. packages. I could probably say the same for those. Yeah, no question. Yep, exactly. That's a good point. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, uh, look, there's, there's plenty of storylines, and that's what's. That's what makes it so fun now is that now it's like, all right, we have a real game that we yes. can break down and really start to hash some of this stuff out. And I'm excited to do it uh, with you every single week here uh, on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. C-Mac, thanks for joining us for 3 and Out. We will uh, see you next week. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, let's keep things rolling here with Chalk Talk as I welcome in my friend Ben Fennell. And Ben, uh, we just, as we're recording this, just earlier this morning, finished our first shoot for Eagles game plan here for this week. You can check it out. NBC 10, locally here in Philadelphia, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. But if you're not in the area, you can always check it out on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All of the Eagles digital channels. You can check my social media, Ben's social media. We always tweet out the link. Usually Friday, early afternoon, uh, the show usually goes out digitally. So you can stay tuned for Eagles game plan every single week. Uh, throughout the course of the Eagles season as I welcome in Ben. Ben, uh, week one is finally here, man. Yeah, it's exciting to have some fresh regular season football and there's no uh, learning curve or maturation periods. You're right out of the gates here. There's 17 games. Every one matters. Week one is exciting. Just expectations are high and uh, I just love the kind of uh, intrigue that the season brings in week one. There's a lot of new bodies, new faces, rookies, new schemes. It's kind of tough to forecast, and it makes week one a little unpredictable, and it's fun. Yeah, no question. And obviously, we've had a little bit of a, a dip in the water with preseason, but uh, you know, preseason honestly is like trying to glean information from a like a matchup standpoint. I've had trouble with in recent years as teams are doing less in the preseason, players are playing less in the preseason. So uh, I have been like anxiously awaiting the start of the regular season. I'm really excited uh, to get through some new film on Monday morning. But uh, preparing for this game against the Detroit Lions, you and I uh, kind of go through and. You know, one of the things that I like that we're doing more of is trying to incorporate different assets into the show, not just breakdown, 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 but, you know, whether it's player mikings, player sound at their locker room or uh, or at press conferences and trying to incorporate that. Well, you and I were going through a, a miking, one of our audible segments from this summer of Eagles quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson, uh, and he was speaking with Jalen Hurts during practice, and it meshed perfectly with a play that uh, you felt really strongly about, uh, and it's certainly a really good representation of Jalen Hurts and his uh, development in this offense. Offense. Uh, I want to just kind of talk to you about uh, why that's we felt so strongly that that quote be paired with that segment uh, in this show this week. 
Well, it was a really interesting comment, um, you know, from the quarterback coach from the practice field. And anytime you could see those coaching points, technique points, subtleties of the game details, then show up in live action. Yep. That's the beautiful marriage of coaching and execution. And it's kind of a old school quarterback mentality where I feel like every play has answers designed in it. And I love watching quarterbacks play structured within you know the confines of the play design and finding answers late in the down like a quarterback should with his arm, in my opinion. And I just thought on that play, you just saw a lot of elements of quarterback play from coverage ID, coverage elimination, yep. progressions, getting your eyes to the right place, all in concert with timing. And then when we actually have to make a decision, an accurate throw with proper velocity, and that alludes and leads to productive plays and yards after catch opportunities and guys with the balls in their hands to make plays. And I think all that starts with the quarterback between the ears, then the physical, and it puts players in positions to be successful. You just saw a lot of interesting elements that you then saw from the practice field onto live game action. And it was just a beautiful play. And in all intents, it was kind of boring. Mm. And it was beautiful. Yep. Yeah, Mike Quick did an outstanding job of breaking the play down, so you can check out that entire breakdown uh, on Eagles game plan this week. Uh, we also broke down Aiden Hutchinson with Greg Cosell, uh, did a nice breakdown of where he's going to line up, what, what the Eagles can expect from the number two overall pick. Uh, and it's funny, when we are talking about the Eagles offense finally in that block, I asked you as we were getting ready to you know, just kind of put the final rundown together for that show, if you could describe the Eagles run game from last year in one word, what would it be? It was a, a thought-provoking exercise. Yeah, you know, it's tough to just to pick one there. You know, obviously we could say versatile and dynamic and it's efficient. It's dominant at times. It's reliable. Yep. Um, you know, it's essential. It's, you know, it's central and essential. It's, you know, a foundation. The one word I think is just indispensable. Yeah. I mean, you were so big going into the season. I remember during training camp last year, you felt like watching this team in the summer, this team's going to lead the league in rushing. They're going to be one of the best running teams in the NFL, and obviously that was not the case over the first four, five, six weeks. And then obviously things turned, uh, and you felt pretty good about uh, right. about that. And statement. they still ended up on top in most yeah. of the categories right. yep. to you know give myself the pat on the back, calling that <laughs> in July and August. But I say indispensable, and just go type that into Google, and the in the definition is absolutely necessary. Yep. And that's not an Eagles thing. That's a my philosophy on the run game and incorporating that to offensive football. You need to run the ball and make opponents prove they can stop it. Right. And if they can't, keep on doing it. And it's literally a layman's term of if we need four yards, which is the definition of an efficient football play, what is the easiest way to generate four yards? I got news for you. It's the turnaround, hand it to the guy behind you, get movement on the offensive line, not step, take a uh, pass set, take a pass drop, have to have an accurate throw, accurate completion, catch the ball. It's harder to complete balls than it is to run the ball. Yep. Um, and I just think you need to make opponents prove they can stop the run. And then the second that opponents need to allocate more resources to stop the run or they can't stop the run, you then put their entire defensive scheme out of sync. You're then a step ahead, not only running the ball, but then – capitalizing and play action, RPOs, pass game, and everything else becomes that much easier. Yeah, as we talked about with C-Mac in the last segment, the uh, the Eagles run game paired with the pass game this year, it's going to be such an interesting dynamic to follow as this season gets underway. Uh, flipping uh, the script a little bit, going to the defensive side of the football, 
I haven't talked with you on air uh, about the addition of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and what you think it will bring to this Eagles secondary. I can remember a few years ago sitting in this studio, basically in these uh, these very seats, and talking about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson when he was with the Florida Gators and uh, the versatility that he showed there in college. So I'm interested to kind of for you to share your thoughts with our listeners about uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson and what he can bring to this Eagles defense. Well, I think certainly his versatility in just having a guy that can wear multiple hats to play the nickel, to play the down safety, to play post safety play too high could probably kick out and play corner for you in a pinch you could play dime linebacker can be a blitzer a lot of different things the second you're a defined player with a defined role then opponents know what you're going to do the more interchangeable parts you have that means the more you can do schematically and the more you can do to make offenses think I just think Chauncey Gardner Johnson don't get so wrapped up in where he's going to play is he high is he down is he nickel where is Maddox they're all going to be moved around and I put up a bunch of plays on Twitter last week where you saw an offense you know, do just simple jet motion, and it rotated the entire defense. Yep. Suddenly, the nickel went to single high, and the single high went down to nickel on the other side. All those parts rotated at the snap of, that, you know, snap of a hat at the, at the snap. You need to have guys that can play fast, think fast, and play multiple spots. And then another play, Jonathan Gannon was third down, and he wanted to disguise his defense. The two high players suddenly were yep. the down players, and he switched. Having players that just do different roles gives you that many more schematic chips to then deploy. So we know he's got the speed, the ball skills, the toughness, the cornerback pedigree, and he's got an attitude and a feistiness and an alpha mentality. I which think Eagles fans are going to love that. Playing yep. defense, it's about confidence, yep. too. Yep. It's hard out there. You know, you're going to give up big plays. You're going to get carved up. You're going to get juked in the open field. You better come right back like that never happened. And I think that's really what Gardner Johnson uh, really breeds with his play style. And I remember, you know, you talk about the defense, uh, the defensive disguise pre-snap. There was that interception by, was it Marcus Epps against yep. the Jets last year where you had that, yeah, that same that rotation. That was one of the yep. plays yep. I had put exactly. up. I had put a play where the offense forced rotation. Yep. And then I put a play where we wanted to rotate in disguise. Well, I got news for you. You can only do that comfortably if you have the right pieces that can yep. play multiple parts. If you have a hulking 240-pound safety that likes to play down a lot, you can't do a lot with him. Now, is he good in that down role? Absolutely. But he's not as versatile, and I'm not picking on any player or even talking about a particular player. It's just a general example. Sure. And then uh, moving on with the rest of the show, Greg Cosell, who was on the show earlier this week, talking about the big changes offensively from a philosophical standpoint with this Lions offense midseason last year, uh, transitioning to Ben Johnson as the play caller. He's installed as the offensive coordinator this offseason. Uh, what are some of the changes you, you would expect uh, from this Lions offense? It's not going to be the same unit that we saw back in week six last year. Well, you know, I didn't know what to expect, and I just thought it was exciting watching the Lions down the stretch of last year because they had nothing to lose. And I literally think it was a week-to-week, Monday-to-Saturday reinvention of the offense because – we had to start from scratch, and you know, I think figuring out what Goff wanted to do well, featuring DeAndre Swift, suddenly this day three player and Amon St. Brown is our top dog receiver. So we need to figure out how to put guys in positions to be successful, and there was no pride on that team. If you had a play design or something you'd like to run, you offered it on Wednesday, and they were running it on Sunday. So I think figuring out what they want to be, who they want to be, um, was the exciting nature of December to now with the Lions. And I think watching them in hard knocks, you're starting to see some identity. Yep. And you heard Bed Johnson bark at the locker room in halftime in one of those preseason games. Listen, we got to be better on early downs running the ball. Then we could take our shots off play action. 
That's what they want to do. Under that, center, that, run the ball, beat you up in the run game, take shots off play action. What does that sound like? McVay, Goff, that previous era of Goff's success. Under center, play action boot, hit those post cross and those three-level stretches. And I think that's really what the Lions want to be. And I got to tell you, when they deployed that offense in week 17, week 18 last year, they looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, uh, you know, you and I were talking offline about this. The, the snapshot of what they were the first few weeks, and it was shotgun, 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 shotgun. Very, very different than what you saw down the stretch and certainly the summer where it's a lot more condensed, a lot more golf under center. Yeah, and there's some creativity in there too. They're working in some pony late in the year with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, listen, he's not a 225-pound run-through-your-face type of running back. Yep. This guy has elite dual-threat ability, though. So they're going to get him split out wide, run some slow goes, get him involved in the screen game, get him in space, and they want him to be the playmaker. I'm pretty excited for that proposition for the Lions because he is really talented. Yeah, I'm on route St. Brown. They move him into the backfield. Mm-hmm. They're giving him carries. They're running him on routes out of the backfield. So uh, doing all kinds of different things. And having a, a, a dual-threat, two-way player in a TJ Hawkinson that can block defensive ends in the run game and then catch those balls over the middle and then, you know, have a little juice after the catch as well. Yep. It's a pretty good little three-headed monster there. Listen, they still need some talent, still need some depth. Pains me to see Big V go down for them at yep. right guard. That was just a brutal combination with Big V at right guard, Penny Sewell at right tackle, some crushing double teams in the preseason. Go watch them move Larry Ogunjobi of the Steelers four yards off the ball. Yep. So just hate. I hate to not see them with a full deck. I always want to beat every team in the league fully healthy with all their stars. So uh, some shuffling on the offensive line, but I still expect them to deploy the offense like they want to. Yeah, and it's uh, you know something we'll continue to watch. We'll, we have uh, Jeff Risden coming up in the next segment. He'll talk through uh, what to expect with Big V on the sideline, on injured reserve, uh, mm-hmm. who's going to step in at right guard. That'll be one thing I will definitely ask uh, Jeff in that segment. Um, I know you've pulled a lot of numbers in preparation for this game. I can always count on you for some uh, some next-level stats here. Uh, do you have one or two uh, that stand out to you going into this yeah, game? Yeah, a couple things just speak into that uh, philosophical change in the Lions. You had mentioned they were primarily shotgun and kind of transitioned halfway through last year. Well, snapshot of this preseason, the second most offensive snaps under center Mm. with the most under center pass dropbacks. So I think that's what they're going to be. They're going to be tight formations, under center, work the run game. Does that Uh, include play action? Uh, Yes. Okay, got it. So just pure passes from under center. Got it. And then last year, down the stretch of the season, double-digit play-action pass attempts in four of the final six games. Interesting. So it was a heavy volume, heavy emphasis to run the ball, put them under center, just like they did with those Los Angeles Rams teams. And, uh, you know, it was fun to watch them in Hard Knocks. That was a really fun uh, yeah. five episodes. Uh, they, um, they, they, it was an entertaining uh, episode or entertaining season of Hard Knocks this year. Um, talking about that run game, and you mentioned, you know, DeAndre Swift, certain kind of runner, Jamal Williams, certain kind of runner. Down the street, the last eight games, right around when Ben Johnson took over, Williams was the guy who led the led led, led them in carries. So mm-hmm. I wonder if that'll be something we watch early this season as well. Is is he more the lead dog and uh, and and Swift is more the compliment? Uh, I think that will be something to watch there. What were some of your uh, takeaways from Hard Knocks? And yeah, you know, the uh, fifth episode just came out this week, which was pretty much all the the cuts and the practice squads. Yeah, that, to me, like I wanted to see was there anything to, exactly to the point you made? Um, Ben Johnson speaking to the team in the locker room, like. 
where you get a sense of what their identity, what they wanted to be, both offensively and defensively. This is a team that, you know, and Greg said it earlier this week, they were so beat up on defense last year. They played more rookies than anybody. They had to cut a number of those rookies just because they, they had so many injuries that they really couldn't be what they wanted to be, and they were still figuring it out on offense what they wanted to be. So uh, to me, like, getting a sense of that identity was something I wanted to try and clean out of that, uh, and I think you saw some of that personality come through, and, and you always say, what, what, what is one of the big uh, sayings you always hear in football? is you know the team takes on the image of their coaching staff, and namely their head coach, but I think that's the, the case uh, from a coordinator level as well. Uh, Aaron Glenn, they want, they want to be aggressive, and I think clearly uh, they view Aiden Hutchinson as a, a key, key figure uh, in that building process moving forward. Yeah, a couple of my just takeaways, I think Hutchinson's going to be really, really good. Yeah. I think he's like ready. He's just relentless. Like, he is ready to produce. I think like Joey Bosa showed up right away out of Ohio State for right. the Chargers. I, he's my pick for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Mm. I think he's going to be all over quarterbacks. I am so happy to see Malcolm Rodriguez get the starting nod. Play the best guy. you know. And I love that You know, uh, Kelvin Shepard, the uh, linebacker coach, kept emphasizing, we're going to play the best guy. We yep. don't care. Where were you drafted? I looked over to him. No, you weren't even day two pick. Round four, round five, I was round six. Right. And it's the fact he's doing it right and he's the best guy. There's no pride lost or I don't care if you're a first rounder or we gave you a free agent deal or whatever the expectations were of Derek Barnes or whoever. If Malcolm Rodriguez is the best guy, play the best guy. Um, so many other things. Dude, Jared Goff. This kid can play in this league. I mean, that's the thing Dude. is we, we get kind of lost on, like, the how conservative they were on offense. And, yeah, he fell short with the Rams and all that. But, like, he can throw it as well as anybody. Listen, he doesn't have this Tom Brady fiery no personality sure. where, yeah, everybody follow me to, you know, to the, to the title town and I'll put you all on my back and MF the opponents. And he's not that guy. He's kind of a laid-back California cool guy. But this kid can play got a big arm. He can make every throw. He's seen a lot. He's played high-level games in this league. Is he the most mobile guy? No. But if you give him the right system around, he can take you where you want to go as an offense. Um, and the other thing, dude, Deuce Staley, man, this guy can coach. Yeah. He can motivate, motivate, motivate. Even when he's losing his voice and I'll sound all raspy <laughs> right, yep. out there, man, this guy can coach. And I love just the experienced former players that uh, Dan Campbell's really put on that staff. Yeah, so certainly a big theme uh, throughout the course of the season was just kind of uh, getting into the personality of our number of those staffs. And that, that access is just awesome. That's one of the reasons I why. I wish they gave us just a little sniff of a Jamison Williams. Yeah. How's he looking? Is he is he getting back on his feet? Is he running some routes? Is he catching? Right. balls out of the jug. Yeah, they stayed out of Just that. Give us a little taste there. Yep. You almost forget that he was a uh, first round pick. They traded up. They for traded him. up for. I mean, that's what they made that huge move from like the early part of round two to the middle of round one, inside the top fifteen. And you're like, oh, like is this is a quarterback. Like you know, you rarely see those kind of trades for a non quarterback. And uh, that, that I think that speaks to how much they wanted a player like Jameson yeah. Williams. Um, all right, so let's round this out. Matchups that matter. Uh, each of us can pick a matchup. I'll let you go first here. Uh, certainly intrigued with the Jordan Mulata, Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be a really fun one-on-one battle off yep. that left side primarily, but Hutchinson's going to move around, so yep. uh, we'll see. But um, I think sticking on that side of the ball, I was watching those lines in the preseason. Those linebackers fly to the football. Anzalone, Barnes, Malcolm Rodriguez. So they are fast-flow linebackers. I want to see them against not our run game. 
against everything else. Mm. The misdirection, the play action, the RPOs. Are they yep. going to be a little too aggressive to stop our run? So young linebackers out there and Barnes and Malcolm Rodriguez. Anzalone's a veteran, but want to see if we can manipulate their brains a little bit with some misdirection. Yeah, I think that will be a, a big thing that we'll be looking for throughout the, ca- the course of the game on Sunday, but also Monday morning going through the tape. Uh, will be a That fun was my number one trade of Rodriguez. Was, wow, look how fast he triggers. Yep. Well, there's some cons double to that sword. too, no yeah. question. Double, yep. ed, double-edged sword for certain. Um, all right, for me, you know, look, and we'll potentially talk about this a little bit with Jeff in the next segment, uh, but watching these Eagles receivers going up against that Detroit secondary, you know, Oruarie, uh, former, I believe, late day two, early day three pick out of Penn State. He's a big corner with ball skills. Speed going to be the question. Jeff Akuda, number three pick in the draft just a couple of years ago, uh, has not been able to finish a season, really hasn't gotten off the runway yet uh, in terms of his career. So, for a guy that's barely played, can the can they can these guys hold up to AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Zach Pascal? I'd be I, I'm interested to see just how that battle goes on the sideline. Obviously, uh, there be there will be a lot of focus on the Eagles' run game in this matchup, but for me, uh, and we talked about it earlier with CMac, uh, that pass game for the Eagles going up against that Detroit secondary, uh, a group that will they do want to play a decent amount of man coverage. I think they mixed things up a lot last year, but I think in an ideal world, everybody healthy, uh, you want to play you know some more man. I think that that's a matchup I'd be looking to, to keep an eye on there uh, in this game. Yeah, definitely. And all season long, I just want to watch the defensive personnel match to the Eagles, yep. especially when we come out with our three receivers and Brown, Smith, and Pascal. Yep. Just who they think they can cover and hold up in the run game against some of those guys. So I think that's really going to test defenses wanting to play a big nickel with three safeties or maybe even stay in base out there. Yep. And, you know, maybe walk an athletic out, you know, outside linebacker over Pascal or something like that. So just want to see how teams match up against this very interesting and deep Eagles offense. Yeah, that's going to be a big thing that we'll be following up on next week right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Uh, Ben, thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you uh, next week right here on Chalk Talk. Great stuff from Ben, who you can follow just like I do on Twitter, at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way? Go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you listen, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. If you've got a question, leave it there. We'll answer it here on an upcoming show. That said, let's round this episode out. I teased it earlier. I caught up with Jeff Risden from the Lions Wire. It's time now for Faux Focus. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in Faux Focus. All right, joining me this week here on Faux Focus, a guy that covers the Lions as well as anybody, that's Jeff Risden. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Risden. He manages the Lions Wire, where you can read his work. You can also listen to him on the Detroit Lions podcast. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us once again here on the show. It is great to be with you and talking about actual football games that that matter. Um, It's been a long time, and uh, great to be back with you. It does feel like a long time, but it is finally here. Really excited to talk through this week one matchup. And we'll start uh, with the Lions offense. A a little bit of a change here on this side of the football. Ben Johnson being installed as the offensive coordinator. He was on the staff last year. We covered that earlier this week on the show. Took over play calling about halfway through last season. But I will ask you, put on your Ben Johnson hat. Uh, What gives you the most confidence going into this game against the Eagles offensively? No, I, I still like the, the Lions offensive line. I think it's a strength. Obviously losing Halapulu, Avadi Vaitai, Big V. Everybody in Philly knows him. Um, the starting right guard, who was the best lineman in preseason, believe it or not. Um, that hurts. He's on injured reserve. 
we're going to see how they replace him, uh, whether it's going to be Tommy Kramer or Logan Stenberg. But the, the line is still a strength. Frank Ragnow is back at center. Um, they have one of the best tackle tandems in the league and, and Taylor Decker on the left side, Panayer Sewell on the right side. TJ Hawkinson, a tight end, can, can line up in line and get out of that. There's still a lot of ability to assert their will on pretty much any defensive front. And that includes Philadelphia's, which you know, that, that's a talented group. But uh, you, you got to like the way that the line matches up um, for, for the Lions. And that's, that, that's the strength of the team. They build everything off that play action passing, running the ball. Um, with the two-headed monster of DeAndre Swift and, and Jamal Williams. Swift coming out of the backfield as a receiver. There's a lot of things that the Lions can do uh, with, with in Ben Johnson's offense. It's a more aggressive look, uh, but it all depends on the line up front. And, uh, you know, it, it's weakened from what we hoped it would be, but it's it's still the definite strength of the team. You know, you've mentioned the the right guard spot, you know, with, with Big V going on injured reserve this week. I, I was following your coverage all summer uh, of the Detroit Lions, and you had mentioned that Stenberg, it seemed like the light had kind of gone on for him halfway through camp. To, but it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, most of his reps have come on the left side, right, with Kramer on the right in the summer. So do you feel like even though the he was the higher draft pick and, uh, you know, he had the, the, good, the good end of the summer that he might get that job? Or do you feel like it might be Kramer just because uh, that's where he's gotten the most of his reps? You know, I do think it's going to be Kramer, um, who played there last year, by the way. He played three, yeah. started three games, and he's solid. Um, he was an undrafted free agent a year ago, overplayed his draft position or lack thereof. Um, and he off, he, he's a pretty good pass protector. Um, he doesn't offer the mauling that uh, that Stenberg does. But, uh, yeah, Stenberg was a, remarkable this summer. He had been the worst lineman on the Lions team uh, for much of the last three years. And, like, the last three weeks of, of camp and preseason – he looked like a guy who was an NFL starter. You know, I went through this covering the Browns when Wyatt Teller got there, a guy that the Bills just like gave up on. Um, and the light bulb clicked on, and and he's he's an All Pro now. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Logan Stenberg, and I don't think it's going to start in Philadelphia. But uh, the, the 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 ascension that he made was remarkable, and uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they balance that. Um, if if Kramer struggles early, if you'll see Stenberg come in. Yeah, it's something I try and stress on the show all the time is, guys, especially going into that third year, which I believe it is the third year here uh, for Logan Stenberger in 2022, uh, that sometimes that light can come on for those guys. Don't give up on those young guys too, too early. Uh, you mentioned Penny Sewell uh, at right tackle. Definitely better in the run game than pass protection last year. Did you see advances uh, in him being in his pass, pass protection uh, here this summer? Uh, a little bit, yeah. He's gotten a little bit better about uh, protecting his inside shoulder. That's still the way to beat him. If you try to go around the outside, he's going to throw you on your butt. Um, he he can get beaten to the inside. Um, working against Aiden Hutchinson, who I'm sure we're going to talk about a little right. bit, yep. um, has, has helped uh, because Aiden can win either way. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're, you're still going to see him give up the occasional sack, but uh, he, he's so good in the run game. And his ability to engage targets at the second level in space, um, getting out in front of screens, uh, there's not many who can do what he does in, in those capacities. So it, the arrow is still definitely pointing up, but uh, he might he might be a little overhyped by Lions fans, but uh, Sewell is a good one. All right, well, let's get over the, the other side of the football. You alluded to Aiden Hutchinson. I'm going to ask you now uh, to put on your Aaron Glenn hat, the defensive coordinator for the Lions. What is the biggest strength on defense? What gives Aaron Glenn the most confidence going into this matchup? You know, the, the line obviously is where you start with with Hutchinson coming in as a number two overall pick. He has been everything the Lions expected and then some. He is an alpha dog right away. Uh, I compared him in the draft process to Chris Long. 
And so far, everything that I've seen out of him is that he might be a higher end Chris Long um, with that, you know, very high floor. But the athleticism, the, the quickness with which he can disengage from blocks of all types um, and then move around the line that they put him at left end, they put him at right end, they put him as a three technique and some NASCAR packages. He is legit right away. He and Aleem McNeil, uh, second year nose tackle. Uh, Aleem, uh, this is a guy who played center field for his high school baseball team at 300 pounds ridiculous athlete it's really translating well he's he's taken a big step forward this summer so the, the line and the ability to control the line of scrimmage uh is key um they've switched to a four-man front from the base three-man a year ago they'll actually run some five-man looks as well with an, an outside linebacker coming in as sort of an extra rusher um we've seen some of that this summer uh and that that that's where they're gonna have to attack because uh you know, the Linebackers, they only play two. It's Alex Anzalone, Derek Barnes, and rookie Malcolm Rodriguez. Nothing. Look, there, there's young potential there, but it's it's nothing to get excited about. So they, they have to be able to win up front. They do have personnel to do it. Uh, you know, Charles Harris was a great reclamation project on the other side from Hutchinson a year ago. He looks really good. He stepped up his leadership. Michael Brockers is a veteran. You know, they, they have some young pieces that they like too. But yeah, it, it all starts up front there. It's a, it's a lot of like really interesting ties between these two teams. I and mean, even if you just look at the defensive line, uh, I remember back in the 2017 draft, it was all right, Derek Barnett, Charles Harris, right? You know, neck and neck. Back in the 2012 draft, Fletcher Cox, Michael Brockers, uh, kind of neck and neck there. I want to ask you, just sticking on that defensive line, um, with Aiden Hutchinson, you mentioned the versatility, plays both sides, uh, they'll kick him inside. Do you feel like it's like an automatic, like basically any passing situation on third down, he's going to kick in and be matched up against guards? Not all the time, but you're going to see that a lot. Yeah. In the preseason, they, they did keep him outside. He he generally will go to the the weak side of the offense. You know, if the tight end isn't in, or if there's no fullback or whatever, he, he's going to he's going to get the one on one attack, and they want Harris to attack on the other side. Um, they will move him inside. They bring in John Kaminsky. Um, Austin Bryant had a phenomenal preseason. I'd be remiss yeah. if I didn't mention him. Um, he was probably the Lions' best player in the preseason. Now, obviously, it's the preseason, but this is a guy. You know, fourth round pick a few years ago has never been healthy. He looks fantastic. So they, they they get him on the field. He can also play inside and out. They they will they will switch right before the snap. You saw a lot of that kind of movement. You know, they're they're going to try to to confuse and deceive the the offensive line. Um, Eagles have a good one, but uh, the, the Lions are they're they're poised to attack that a little bit. All right. So if you now if you're Dan Campbell, you put on your Dan Campbell hat here. Uh, what is the biggest concern for this Lions team going into this game uh, from Detroit's perspective? Stopping the speed and the rushing attack. I mean, we all watched the game last year. Uh, Dan Campbell did too, um, and alluded to it in his press conferences this week. Like that w- that was the low point in, in a in a mm. series of seasons of low points in Detroit. That w- that was rough. Keeping Jalen Hurts from from going off, keeping the running backs contained and, and not getting six yards every single time they touch the ball and doing that without sacrificing, you know, deep help coverage because th- those wide receivers in Philadelphia, the speed that they've got on the outside, it's a problem. Jeff Okuda's back at cornerback, um, hopefully healthy and, and staying that way and looks he looked good this summer. Amani Arawari on the other side is a good, good corner doesn't have the speed down the field. So you got to, you got to help him out with the guy like Tracy Walker, but spreading all that thin, you know, can they, can they then stop the run game? Can they stop hurts from, from exploiting them? Uh, couldn't do it a year ago. Didn't, didn't have a prayer a year ago. That, that, that's still a big concern. Um, keep keeping this Philadelphia offense from just running roughshod. Look, uh, it's 
I, I feel like I'm overselling the the the, the, uh, the Eagles' offense a little bit, but ju- they match up very well with what the Lions don't do well, and that concerns me a lot. Uh, you mentioned Jeff Akuda. You I know when we spoke back in like the the winter and the spring, there was a lot of buzz that potentially he could get moved to safety. You've got eyes on him now for the last few weeks. What's the what's the temperature now on Jeff Akuda and his future? You know, he is definitely a starting outside cornerback. He beat out Will Harris, who actually transitioned from safety from, to yeah. cornerback uh, this offseason. Um, he's he's, he's going to be better than, than I think people expect in Detroit. Look, he's never going to live up to the number three overall draft status. That's just – that's out the window. But can he be a functional starting cornerback and, and even a good starting outside cornerback? Absolutely he can. And he, he's, he's looked that way this summer. Where he really stands out is actually run defense. That's one of the reasons why he won mm-hmm. the job. Uh, he and uh, the, the the slot defender, which they cut their starting slot cornerback from a year ago, A.J. Parker, uh, you're going to see veteran Mike Hughes in there and also rookie Chase Lucas get there. The run defense from the outside in is is where Okuda and Orowari are pretty good. Uh, and that, that's that's probably the biggest area where they're going to stand out and the biggest change from last year when, when the Eagles played the Lions. The cornerbacks last year were miserable in, in run defense. They're going to get better there this year, at least – Fingers crossed anyways, hopefully. <laughs> well, that's the last question for you, Jeff, and uh, we'll get you out. Most pivotal matchup uh, on Sunday. We've, so we've talked a lot about the trenches. Uh, what do you view to be the, the biggest matchup here that could decide the outcome of this game? You know, I, w- I want to see how Darius Slay handles a guy like DJ Shark on the outside. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is a matchup problem that the Lions move him all over the offense. The Eagles have some have some some talent on the defensive side of the ball. If Jared Goff can attack down the field, if if the offensive line can hold up against the the, the pass rush, uh, specifically inside pass rush, they're going to get some shots. You know, and, and DJ Shark had a, a quietly good summer. He sort of cooled off at the end of it, but uh, he's a guy that has the vertical speed. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see if 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 Slay and and the, the outside corners can handle it. Um, and then the other side. Can Lions handle speed on the outside? It, it's which which deep passing game impacts the other team the most. You don't necessarily have to hit on it. You know this very well. Just the threat of the deep ball opens up to other things. And if uh, if the offense can can impact that defense, uh, I think that's the key matchup. Well, like you said, uh, you know, with big play Slay here in Philly, a former Lion, so many people from uh, the formerly Eagles coaches on that coaching staff out in Detroit, just a, a lot of parallels between these two coaching staffs uh, and these two franchises. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Again, everybody go follow Jeff's work uh, on Twitter. You can go check out the, uh, the Detroit Lions podcast as well uh, for more previews of this matchup. Jeff, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me on. All right, great stuff there from Jeff Risden. Now, at the very top of the show, I threw in that segment with with Shane Steichen from Eagles Game Plan. Well, got a little bit more from that show. These are all some clips that were left on the cutting room floor, some analysis here from John Clark, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, Greg Cosell, the entire crew that, due to time constraints, I couldn't quite squeeze into the show, but I kept it all for you here on the Eagle High in the Sky podcast. Here's that clip now, the leftovers from Eagles Game Plan. I see the progression. I see the growth. And Jalen Hurts, and I think we're all going to see that as time progresses. 
Yeah, and you watch Jalen, man. You can tell being in the same offense for a second year is doing wonders for slowing down yes. the information that he's processing. You speed, you tend to speed things up when you're a young player and you're unsure what's going on. But when you get that comfort level of being in the same system, you're you're able to just slow everything down, process it, and you know exactly where you want to go with the football. Did that happen with you and Jim Johnson's system year one, year two? No doubt about it. And Mike can attest to that. As, as a young player, everything is moving fast in your head. And part of the problem is the anxiety of wanting to do everything right. But once you understand the concepts of what the offense is supposed to be or the defense, it allows you to anticipate. And that's what you're seeing from Jalen in his second year, that he's able to think not just the first step, but the second step and the third step. John, when you hear guys talking about playing fast, that's what they're talking about. They can process a whole lot quicker now and they can make that step that they didn't make that year before because they're processing and they're playing fast. About the Eagles running game, it was really in Detroit where it took off last year. 236 yards, Uh season high four rushing touchdowns. Are we going to see that type of rushing, the best rushing offense in the NFL in this game on Sunday? You know, I know Dan Campbell, their head coach there, he's been screaming about that rushing attack and that beatdown that the Eagles put on them in that game. But the Eagles offense, they're so dynamic when they choose to run the football. They can do so many things. There's so many layers, inside zone, the outside zone. They hit you with the wham. They hit you with the trap. And oh, by the way, their quarterback led them in rushing last year. So the quarterback, when you don't account for him, he can run the football as well. I think the Eagles have to run the football against them. And I think they will be able, John, to run the football against them. You talk about Hutchinson. He's fast. He has all of these moves. But when you run the football right at him, what does he do then? I think you bloody his nose, you run the football right at him, you move him around, and you don't allow him to just rush up the field and create havoc in your backfield. And the Eagles have such a dynamic rushing attack. You can't just focus in on the running backs. You know, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, those those guys are going to be difficult enough to stop. But when the quarterback is such a huge part of the running game, it makes it that much more difficult for a defense, particularly linebackers, because part of your responsibility in that running game is you're reading A gap, B gap, C gap, and you're focused in on the tailback. When the Eagles decide to add Jalen Hurts to the running game, that's what gives this offense that dynamic and makes it that much more difficult to stop. And then when you add a guy like A.J. Brown to Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, man, a defense has their hands full as to what you're trying to stop. You can't really predict what this Eagles offense, how they're going to try to attack you. They can beat you with the run or the pass. The big thing that we didn't even mention They've got the best offensive line in football. Yeah. And healthy. And a healthy I offensive line. I would say Amalu's back. Not only can they maul you at the line of scrimmage, they're athletic enough that when they get out on the perimeter, they clear space on the perimeter as well. Now, Dan Campbell's been saying, hey, we think they're going to bring that running game against us again. But Eagles have added A.J. Brown. You've got some injured guys that are coming off injuries in the secondary with the Lions. Jeff, Jeff Okuda. Two injuries, season-ending injuries. If you're the Eagles, do you kind of – flip the switch or flip it on them and go out and throw against them. I think this team early in the season likes to throw the ball because they want to work on that passing game. And I think early in the season, that's what you do. But they also realize at the same time, our strength is that we can maul people at the line of scrimmage and we've got the best offensive line in football. They realize that. Which really makes this team a contender 
for the championship at the end of the year is that they have multiple ways that they can beat you. You know, Mike just mentioned, they're going to run the football. That's their bread and butter. They know what got them to the postseason last year. But they didn't use this offseason focusing in solely on that running game. They wanted to improve their passing game. I think Jalen is a much improved passer. He can throw with anticipation. And when you look at the combination of A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and you throw in Dallas Goddard, and not even mention Quez Watkins as a third wide receiver, that's a lot of temptation to throw that ball down the field. So, Aaron Glenn, you got your hands full and worried about how to stop this Eagles offense, whether it's through the air or on the ground. And again, be sure to check out Eagles Game Plan. Goes up digitally on Friday across all Eagles channels, or if you live in the Philadelphia area, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. on NBC10. Great stuff from the Eagles Game Plan crew once again. Thanks to them, and thank you to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.